Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw on Feral Audio. I am your host. My name is still Joseph Scrimshaw. You are listening to our 100th episode. We are thrilled to have reached this podcasting milestone. Now, as I record this, I am celebrating by eating a cake shaped like a microphone. And by cake shaped like a microphone, I mean drinking whiskey in the morning. Because we all celebrate differently. Now, I did want to do something special to mark this episode, and I'm thrilled. Jeez, whiskey. <clears throat> I am thrilled that my friend Dustin Marshall, the mastermind of the Feral Audio Podcast Network, agreed to be my guest and tell the tale of his deep obsession with making podcasts. To me, podcasts are often intimate, warm, and just a little dangerous, like drinking whiskey in the morning, and Dustin's origin story of his inevitable Greek drama-like fate to become a podcast impresario is just perfect for our 100th episode. As always, you'll also hear our co-producer Sarah Meyer interviewing random human beings around Los Angeles and seeing how they feel about making podcasts. Is it possible to find a random stranger in Los Angeles who doesn't have a podcast? If they don't have one, will they have one soon? Or two? Or five? By the year 2026, will it be illegal to not have a podcast? This whiskey I'm drinking says yes, probably. Anyway. Before we dive deep into the intimate world of podcastry, it's time to answer a listener-submitted question about their personal obsession. I throw out requests for obsessions on my Facebook and Twitter, so if you have an obsession you'd like addressed, follow me on the social media as at Joseph Scrimshaw. Annie Linson asks, The movie Clue. Why on earth haven't they released any kind of special features or commentary for it? Every release is very bare bones. Well, Annie, here is my take. Sometimes in life... Bad things just happen, and there's no one to blame. But in this case, there is. The guilty party, in the case of why the movie Clue doesn't have good bonus features, is The Cloud. The Cloud, also known by its alias, The Internet, murdered physical media in the living room with a Roku box. Now, there's that great Simpsons joke in meme with a picture of Abe Simpson in the newspaper, and it says, old man yells at a cloud. That's pretty much exactly what I'm doing now. I'm literally yelling about the cloud. I am shaking my fist at my magic internet box as we speak. Now, I watched Clue just a few months ago on Netflix, and I wanted special features just like you, Annie, so I had to read the Wikipedia page. I had to pick up a separate device from a few feet away from me and read it with my mind and eyes like a savage. I mean, I like it when the world evolves and stuff. The internet is great. Without the internet, I wouldn't know when that guy I met once at a poetry slam seven years ago wants to connect with me on LinkedIn. It is important stuff. But I think the sad, slow death of physical media is a bummer when it comes to things like special features. It was awesome to get all that insight but the money probably isn't there to justify shooting, editing, and releasing new Clue-related content. I think the only way to turn this trend around is to vote with our dollars. Buy every disc with bonus features you possibly can. Does Michael Bay have commentary to every Transformers movie? Then buy it. Buy all the physical media you can think of. Basically, the only way to get a special edition of Clue is to become a hoarder. 
In fact, I am so in love with physical media, I'm going to celebrate the 100th episode of Obsessed by releasing every past episode on cassette tape. Obsessed, the first 100 episodes on cassette, will come in a beautiful collector's box with a complimentary glass of morning whiskey. It will weigh 700 pounds and cost $2, plus shipping and handling, which will cost $8,000. Sadly, there will be no special features. It's just too expensive. Anyway, thanks for the great question, Annie. I also love Clue. Now on to the best part of any podcast, the plugging. Obsessed is made possible by your kind support on Patreon. If you'd like to help the podcast keep growing and coming out every week, you can throw us a buck or two a month by visiting patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. Shows! I do shows! This weekend, March 18th through the 20th, I'll be a guest at Wizard World Convention in Las Vegas doing a stand-up show in a bunch of panels. Then back in LA on April 1st, Hal Lublin and I are doing a brand new comedy game show about pop culture called Head Cannon. Our show is at the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown Comics and features special guests, future country music singing sensation Carter Parton Rogers, from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Dana Snyder, from the comedy podcast Super Ego, Jeremy Carter, and from Star Trek Tabletop and, you know, the internet, Mr. Will Wheaton. You can find the details on all these shows at josephscrimshaw.com slash live dash shows. But now, sit back, relax, close your eyes unless you're driving, and enjoy Dustin Marshall's amazing secret origin as he is transformed from mild-mannered young Midwestern man to a super-obsessive maker of podcasts. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am not sitting in my home like I usually do. I am sitting in a fancy recording studio with the head of Feral Audio, Dustin Marshall. Hey man, thanks for having me. Oh yeah, thanks for having me at the fancy studio. Yeah, anytime. Oh yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, so, can you start out by telling people a little bit about like who you are and what you do? Um, I'm Dustin. I'm the founder of Feral Audio, which is a podcasting collective, and um, based out of Los Angeles, California. And I curate all those all the shows there. Uh, we do a show Harmontown called Chelsea Peretti. Um, we should have a podcast, uh, and then there's a handful of shows that kind of, we call them co-opted shows that are just shows I'm a fan of that uh, humbly join us, and we're just trying to umbrella all the coolest talent and all the uh, similar-minded uh, sort of alternative, although people hate that word, <laughs> just sort of the, uh, yeah, the weirdos and the super talented um people do you hate the word alternative no i love it it just makes sense like you know it, they're not alternative they're like major comedians but you know yeah. I, I would consider dan and duncan trussell who's on here sort of on the fringe of you know stand up and all that stuff right they're um, not trying to be at all packaged no or traditionally presentational right yeah so that it's just whatever they want is the way it goes yeah uh, totally yeah. and that's how i met you actually i think in this uh, very studio recording with james urbaniak for the getting on with james urbaniak yeah, podcast. yeah, that's another show that uh, I was a huge fan of that I met with James and came on board. I it, it, I was looking at texts, uh, I was trying to find something, and this is 2013 already, which is crazy to think about. Um, I met him at Cafe 101, and I was a huge fan. I think he's about eight episodes in, and I think he's up to 25, and yeah. um, you and, and Brie Larson. 
Um, that's Brie Larson, right? I'm not butchering that. No, I get yeah, I get weird on Mike where I miss huge <laughs> details that I should know. Um, we're just like are my favorite episodes. Um, your stuff too. I think you wrote kind of an episode about podcasting. It was really funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like being meta, which is uh, which is why I asked you specifically to come on the podcast. Uh, obsessed here and talk about making podcasts. Yeah. How did you start Feral in particular? Um, so I was, you know, a bedroom producer, audio engineer from Madison, Wisconsin and started, you know, was in bands and I was like 15 and, and I wanted to start recording them. So when I was 17, I got a little four track recorder and I think for my next birthday, I got like an eight track. It was like a 1992 Fostex. It was like the first digital one ever. It had like 12 minutes of space on it. Um, this is very limiting and just trial and error just blew like two tracks up just you know had no formal training just loved audio and I was always like really into music but as much as I was into music I was a huge comedy fan like okay. Mr. Show fan Mystery Science Theater since I was like nine years old Saturday Night Live um, and you know I'm from Madison so there was The Onion and uh, just had it at my disposal my entire life just my and my family too is like a really dark sense of humor so uh is your family open with it are they like cognizant that they have a dark sense of humor or oh yeah just come out my, sideways? my mom's incredibly dark person and she would just come home with the onion and she would hand this to me and she'd be like, read this read this it'll make sense someday <laughs> like i really like the horoscopes the other stuff was like way over my head but she you know you know my hamster died and she took me to like mst3k the movie and it was just how do we coped with all the all the weird st- bad stuff so she took you to mst3k the movie because your hamster died yeah my hamster That's died awesome. and she's like come on let's go see let's go see this movie it'll make you laugh so we went to a little indie theater and i just became obsessed with comedy and but it wasn't until i was about 19 or 20 like youtube started happening it was like 2004 and myspace and stuff and um all these like comedians over the years were just joining MySpace and were like an email away, and I just started adding everybody. And then I would type in names every day, and I would they would you know, Dina Stamatopoulos, who is the whole reason I'm in LA, who I now work for at Starburns Industries. Um, you know, I was I would type them their names in every day and I'd get them like, the first day. <laughs> this is like a huge <laughs> comedy nerd. Yeah. Uh, and then... Did they friend you back on MySpace? Cause yeah, Because MySpace yeah. was reciprocal, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. They're just like adding people and they're all so nice. And, um, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of a lot of bands. That, not that they weren't cool, but, you know, I just found out on accident that I was like really... really comedians were just so cool and I got along with them. So then... Um, I, at 18, got got kicked out of my house. I went to, like, a charter school. I was a really troubled kid. Uh, and then um, in my early 20s, you know, a friend of mine died. <laughs> this, all make, this, all, this all adds up. This no, all I understand. I understand. This, it's, this uh, is a great comic book origin story. Yeah. Was, he had a drunk driving accident, and it was totally kind of like, it was the most, like, altruistic, sweetest person I knew and uh, sort of, like, changed my life around. Um, but I was working, like, you know, I'd work at McDonald's up until I was like 23 on and off. And it would be like 6 a.m. to 2 in a grocery store at 3 to midnight. And it was just a workaholic and needed money and wanted to get my own place. So uh, I was working this grocery store job at night. And then um, at one point on Dino's MySpace, he said, uh, I'm on Adam Carolla's podcast. That probably was like 2008 or nine. And you're still in Madison? Yeah. 
And at that point, I had decided to like, pay my way through school because I wanted to do audio and I really wanted to get into broadcasting. So I got my degree in electronics engineering because like, I really like making synthesizers and, and shit. And yeah. I was never good at programming, but I like soldering and stuff and wasn't terribly great at it. But I got a job after that at making like heart defibrillators, like the heart attack machine. So you, you went from McDonald's where you would cause heart attacks to making machines that would fix the heart yeah, attacks. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty that's good pretty awesome. jump. And then during this time, I was just working in a factory, and I was a huge fan of Loveline. And then I heard Adam Car- Dino Stamatopoulos on Adam Carolla, and um, just mind-blowing. Yeah. Just the rawest conversation, just uncensored between those two guys, and Dino's just brutally honest, and it's just like, I remember my skin crawling. Um, was it obvious to you that this was the comedy version of, like, punk music? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I immediately, I was just like, this is so underground and and punk you know and then right at the same time scott ackerman was starting comedy death ray radio um which is podcasting like his radio show and then all of a sudden scott was bringing all these comedians and introduced me to all these people that all your myspace friends yeah and he introduced me to people like andy daly and then you know getting his records and um it was just being like plugged in because i used to scott was on myspace like you couldn't find these people on youtube youtube yeah. was kind of weird like early on before it was bought out it was like you could find like old tapes of bootleg stuff of bands that I liked, but you couldn't find a lot of stuff. And then stuff, and I was just read the he would he every Tuesday did comedy death ray, and I would just read the lineups, and then just you know cause he's such a man of taste and curated just this a oh, huge scene of comedy, and I would just use that and track down this comedians and stuff. Okay. Um. So yeah, and I was that about that age, I was just obsessed with comedy. So when I was backtrack a little bit when i was like 19 or 20 um you know mr show when i was a kid like blew my mind yeah and um I, it, it was like my beatles and i just and then the dvd started coming out and then i had them at my disposal and they came out over the course of two years and so you know i'd crash at people's houses and all i had was like a backpack and some clothes and books and stuff and i would just sleep and i'd put the dvds in people's playstations and <laughs> watch them back and forward and the commentaries on those things were just so good you just hearing those guys talk and they're so funny and just being you know right so like, the commentaries are kind of like little podcasts right yes just being totally loose and honest and i so i ripped the audio from them and i put them <laughs> on my my friend's ipod he gave me uh and i would just work at the grocery store and i'd listen to them all day just like totally obsessed then I just started like devouring everything. I'd work at the grocery store at night, and then I'd specifically take jobs that uh, I could listen to podcasts. <laughs> it was a huge part of like positions I would take, um, whether I'm in the back room or a factory or whatever. Just having that earbud in, yeah, uh, and consumed them. I mean, I would I would listen to them all day at work, and then go home and not even watch movies or TV. Just listen to them and build like electronics and. And just monotonous stuff, just just devour them. And then Mark Marin came out in like early days of Marin, um, and then Dan Savage. And in 2009, oh, like two episodes later, after Dino was on Car- Carolla, Bob Odenkirk was on. Okay. And at the very very end, he goes, "Oh, I'm going to be in Chicago doing a show at Just for Laughs Festival." And I was just like, "Holy shit!" It was like uh, June 6th or 7th, 2009, and. Um, I, I was just like, I have to go to this because I love Chicago and I hadn't been there in years. So I borrowed my little sister's car. I skipped a college <laughs> exam and it was a Friday and I drove down to Chicago and I also saw that Dino, 
and Robert Smigel were airing this original uh, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog pilot, oh, cool. which is a Bozo the Clown parody, <laughs> which is Robert Smigel dressed as like Bozo the Clown, but more like John Wayne Gacy. And like the old live Chicago just public like radio, it, or not except public the, television? Exactly. Oh, wow. The audience is filled with actual children, <laughs> and they're doing the darkest <laughs> sketches. And you're like, for you, that's like, oh, that's like home life. That's like what my mom <laughs> taught me to love. Yeah, I was just having the best time, and then um, I waited in the alleyway for Dino, he was talking to his family because he's from Chicago, and he was talking for like 45 minutes for an hour, and you know, when I go to Chicago, back then I would wear really ratty clothes because um, I would get like asked for shit less, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so I just look kind of like a homeless, like tattered hoodie that I'd sewn a Smashing Pumpkins thing on, and my jeans were all (laughs) ripped up, and uh, just a total dirtbag, and I was just waiting there and then Dino was like all right and he went back and I grabbed him and I'm like Dino I know uh, I'm so sorry for bothering you but I know that you don't perform often and it was such a pleasure to see you perform and he was like oh all right hey I gotta grab something and come back with me and then uh he took me backstage and like Andy Dick was doing his show next and then met Andy Dick and Dino's just like, all right, we got to get you out of here before Andy molests you. And I laughed. He's like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> and then I went out and Bob Odenkirk and Robert Smigel were in the alleyway and I was just like seeing you know, Paul McCartney. Yeah. It's just like. So when you, when you encountered all, all of these people and they were like friendly and like, hey, just come hang out and we'll make jokes about Andy Dick. Did, yeah. Was it, did it feel natural because you've been listening to them so much that you just like knew them or were you sort of starstruck to the point where like, you didn't have much to say it was i was a very enthusiastic naive complimentary like i was very like blown away and i just listened to dino and bob like backwards and forwards for, like, yeah a year, you know and it just felt like you kind of know him yeah and then so bob just walked by me and i was like holy shit and then so i walked over because bob was doing his show and so i walked over to the io west and then I was just sitting outside, and then Dino walked by with his family. He said, what are you doing down there? Come come join me for drinks with my friends. <laughs> and then I went in, and it was Bob, David, Smigel, and the seat available was next to Bob, you know? Okay. So it was just all heroes yes. having having drinks and dinner. Yeah. And like, hey, kid from the alley, join yeah. us. And Bob and David hadn't seen each other in years. Oh, and wow. And Bob just got back from Europe doing Todd Margaret and... And David came, and it was just Bob's so enthusiastic about David and seeing them like that and just laughing. And then Bob's like, who are you? And I'm like, uh, I'm a fan. Uh, Dino. And Dino's like, he's a friend, he's a friend, he's a friend. Um, and then I would go on to be, you know, working with Bob years later, doing his audiobooks and stuff like that. So I was just obsessed with comedy and podcasting, just lived for it. And then the next year, I was like, the biggest fan of Scott's show, Comedy Death Ray. Yeah. So the next year, I went to the same festival, 2010, Just for Laughs in Chicago, and immediately, you know, got out, ran in a cross, and all these people, and I went to the show. And, and they did, were you friends at this point? Did they remember you? Yeah, or? you remembered me. It was just really friendly, and I all these comedians were there, and then, so I went to Comedy Death Ray and met Scott for the first time, and um, James Adomian, who we became, like, immediate friends and, awesome. then this, and then this guy Jeff Ulrich was there that was the same weekend he was meeting Scott and he was pitching him on doing a podcast network and so we just all became like quick friends and uh, 
so then for about a year I was kind of like interning for them and um, kind of, you know, he was, he was running stuff by me and it was so interesting. And uh, he would call me and tell me what's going on with all these like comics and I do data entry and then he didn't have a name for it. And then he called me one day and he was just like earwolf. And I was like, what? <laughs> did he tell you Ear- that, that was the title or did he, he just, just call me? He didn't <laughs> even say hi. Earwolf. 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 Oh, he goes, that's the name. I was like, oh, that's great. I thought you were a spy. I thought yeah. it was a code. Yeah. So he started, he got Scarborough Country and Comedy Death Ray and then just fucking started this network. And um, at the time, this guy, Engineer Doug, was their engineer and he was like a hip hop guy. Okay. And Scott would always throw to him. And it was just that type of thing where he was just a producer and he he put his mark in the shows and... Um, he played beats and they started doing rap battles and stuff and you just knew you just like felt his presence yeah and I really wanted to meet him and then in next year I was breaking up with my girlfriend of five years I was moving out I graduated college seven days before this and I got a phone call on a Saturday and Jeff's like I've always wanted you to be my our engineer because I had basically lied and put it on my Facebook and told him I was an engineer. And okay. I had done some audio <laughs> stuff for it because I could do it. I was yeah. just doing it in GarageBand. That's all I had. Because like, I had the drive to do it and I had a passion for audio. It's like what I wanted to do because at this point I was volunteering at Wart Radio 89.9 FM, which is a community radio station in Madison, which I had listened to my whole life. on, And I was uh, volunteering under Rock and John McDonald, who's like one of America's last DJs, my okay. favorite DJ. He's been in the air for like 39 years. He's this eccentric guy with no car and he just takes the bus and he has just like <laughs> vintage vinyl. Does he have a traditional kind of booming DJ voice? He talks like this, and he, he's very, he's a, sounds like the biggest nerd in the world, and he's so like... kind of like if, if Kermit was a traditional rock DJ. Yeah, it's nice. a fucking encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, and I, so I was just really, got really into broadcasting, and I always wanted to be a DJ. I wanted my own show, I wanted to like play music, and I was doing this, and I fucking was at odds with my girlfriend, and I got this phone call, and he's like, I want you to come work for me, but I need to know in the next 24 hours. Wow. Or I'm going to look for somebody on Monday. Called both my parents, and they were just like, "You have to do this. You're miserable." Yeah, I was a, a very, I'm a depressive, and I, I've, I've also struggled with mental illness, and uh, they're just like, "You're gonna fucking kill yourself if you stay here. You just, just, you need to do this. You'll never know." Um, and so then I had to sit down with my girlfriend, and I'm like, "I'm going to L.A. in a few days." She's like, "What?" <laughs> it's like ripping that bandit off. I put all of my stuff into storage where it still is. Yeah, and I moved out here with two carry-on bags. And I had never been on a plane before. Wow. And I was 26, and I came out here and then hurt my back that week putting my shit away. I moved out <laughs> here just really sore. And the next morning, I woke up, and I moved Earwolf from their old studio and built their new studio uh, in, um, on Sunset Boulevard cool. on the fifth floor. So all of a sudden, I went from bedroom producer to uh, engineer at a studio. On like Sunset within Boulevard. a week? Over, yeah. I moved out here in 10 days after he called me. Wow. And so because you had been doing the uh, a little bit of engineering, calling yourself an engineer, it, engineering seemed like what you wanted to do or being a producer or having that kind of effect. That was that was already kind of in your heart how you wanted to interact with the comedy world and podcasts? I didn't know. I didn't know. I really just like that was an opportunity because this guy had started this network that I was obsessed with and he kept adding these shows um, and I was just loved all of them, like who charted and Professor Blastoff, and yeah. just loved them so much. Uh, and so I just came out, and like the next day, I, I was working with like Galifianakis and 
Patton Oswalt, all these people, like, right off the bat. Yeah. And it was just, like, culture shock, you know? I remember when I came to L.A., like, that first morning, I was looking at the plants. It was like <laughs> I was from Mars. And I remember, like, my comprehension of L.A. is, like, so different because I didn't have a car and I took the bus everywhere. It takes, like, an hour. And I thought it was right. so huge from, like, Hollywood to Los Feliz. I thought it was just, like, <laughs> so huge. And I was looking at these plants. I was like, look at those. And the guy's like, yeah, they're succulents. They're You're in Southern California. Just totally like... Because you had never been to Los Angeles before, right? No. Yeah. I had been to Minneapolis, Chicago, Toronto, not very many places. Yeah. And those cities are similar in comparison yeah. to Los Angeles. Yeah. It's a big difference. I just, you know, never thought I would live here. And then... um was doing all these shows that I was a fan of and it was very surreal and then I just figured out that like comedians are so cool and like I like their stuff and I know about it so I was like approaching them and uh just I don't want to be a stand-up I don't want to perform and so and I just am enthusiastic about it so right. we just got along and then my second week here I went to Tignataro's record release at Largo and I ran to Natasha Legero because her and Duncan Trussell had easily my favorite podcast called The Lavender Hour. Okay. They were dating at the time, and Duncan and her were just like, what's a podcast? And like, he was pressed record in his machine. It was like edited sloppily, and it was so cool because he's just like, he got me into stuff like Alan Watts and Ram Dass and meditating, which I attribute to a huge part um, of my spirituality and, and my success in college and my... Um, stuff like that and my second Sunday here Natasha's I, I, I walked up to her and I was like do you still need help on the podcast she's like yes oh my god come over so the next Sunday there I walked up and I met Duncan Trussell on his doorstep which was a huge influence to me and they were super cool and the first guest was Chelsea Peretti who I now work with yeah and, and then just started you know kind of secretly doing their stuff on the side because it turns out my first day here that Jeff was very controlling and there was something fundamentally off. And this is the producer at Earwolf at the time? Yeah, yeah. I would I would describe it as an autism or something. Okay. Just something fundamentally off. Just a, kind of a dishonest business guy. I found out he's like from Wall Street and stuff. Just not the person I thought he was. I thought he was my best friend for a while. Um, and so I was really struggling with that. And uh, so I started doing stuff on the side and We'll start going to UCB and shows, and I'm just like, do you need help with, you know, anything? They're like, yeah, because it turns out, like, comedians are, you know, what's the thing that connects them to the audience? The microphone. Yeah. And people needed uh, stuff recorded, and I, and I, um, when I first moved here, they asked if I knew Pro Tools, and my first day here, and I was like, yeah, 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 no idea. <laughs> and I just stayed up all night. And then I got this web series with uh, Rachel, fuck, crazy girlfriend. Oh yeah, I, I'm spacing her last. I just name know. As her, well. I always see her Instagram handle. It's Rachel does, does stuff. stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> Rachel, so Bloom, Rachel Bloom. Rachel yeah. Bloom. Rachel Bloom. And I met the Apple sisters, and they became a separate family. And Duncan and Natasha became like my LA mom and dad. And I met Greg Turkington and Simone Turkington, who were who's Neil Hamburger and his wife, who both have podcasts. Who became like my like godparents, and just yeah. got mentored by all these people. Do you, did you ever in this initial phase when you were meeting all of these people who are heroes, and even going back to two thousand nine, did you ever feel like a, a nervous or at a loss of what to say, or did you always feel just comfortable just being yourself because that's how you knew them via podcast? I have a I have a thing where I think that I am afraid of people less than most people are. Okay. Um, because if I walk up to somebody like Odenkirk and he doesn't like me, it's not gonna like 
hurt me. Okay. I'm going to just enjoy the experience, and I don't <laughs> expect him to like me. Okay. So I think I'm less afraid of people, and I'm also enthusiastic to meet them. And I don't think people meet a lot of people besides after their shows who like and know their stuff. Right. So, um, pardon me. And then, so I was there for 10 months at Earwolf. It was very hard. It was overworked, and it was just, it was just podcast boot camp. Just watched all my friends come and go. It fired, canned, and then just had a just had a hard time with the idea. The comics weren't getting paid. People weren't being treated well, and I okay. think that's just that guy's philosophy. Like engineers are kind of grunt work, and you know, and I just wasn't I wasn't happy with that. Uh, but I was just so floored, and I couldn't imagine not doing podcasting. And so when that started falling apart, I was just devastated. Um, because I I remember I had they told me like days before it's like you're done. Oh really? Yeah, in a really weird way. And I just remember like the last day I was there like looking out and I was like, wow, this is it. It's over. Over um, Sunset Boulevard, right? Yeah. And I was just this, it was just like, wow, this is this is over. And during that time, I'd been talking to Duncan Trussell about basically doing like a seminar where he would introduce me to comics and I would just show people how to record and the equipment they needed. And oh, they nice. Would, they would just pay me up front because I needed money really bad. Yeah. I was getting really underpaid under the table there and I ran out of money and I knew that was going to happen. And so I was out of money. And so I had about 400 bucks to my name. Rent was coming up in two weeks. I had fucking nothing. I had no job. <laughs> so at the... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So at one point, though, when, you I, said it. when I started at Earwolf, Odenkirk came in and I was editing. Now, this is like my first six months to go back. It was, I got here in July, early July. This was December. And he walked by and he was like, fuck, man, what is that? That's magic. He goes, I'm working on the cartoon. I want to hire you for it. So then he hired me with him and Tommy Giannis. And so I got to work oh, on, wow. which was would become Trip Tank, which is one of the shorts. If you watch it with Bob and Scott and Zach, I did that. I edited that. And uh just like he was always so cool and supportive and became a mentor and he, he was having me over at his house and you know what he was so kind he's like the greatest dad ever and he's so great to his kids and he's got all these books and dvds he's like help me pick out a movie for my kids and it's like <laughs> he's bookending it with his like emmy or something yeah just the most <laughs> humble modest guy and yeah. um so the next day because during that time we were doing what the lost Mr. Show podcast called Mr. Blow. Cause Bob was like, what's a podcast? And I was like, yeah. man, you got to get into this. So him and David had a podcast called Mr. Blow. They had the original artist do the cover art. They had four, four people from Mr. Show. And the only rule is you can't talk about Mr. Show. Wow. But went out the window immediately. And so th- they were doing sketches for it. And so they did this last sketch rooms, rooms, a musical, um, which is a coveted lost sketch, which is all these rooms in this house are doing a musical. And they actually ended up doing it Bob and David. But one of the things is I built this radio play of it. Yeah. And so I just got, I love doing sound design because I did Trip Tank and I did that. And I was loved doing the sound effects. And it was like editing was a Zen thing where it's like, because I don't sleep. I've had insomnia my whole life. And I, it was just one thing where I could stay up all night and I just love sound design i love i love editing and adding the stuff in i didn't know i loved it just started doing it so i started working in animation right away on accident so the next day uh i left earwolf on april 16th 2012 and uh the next day i called bob and i was like hey man sorry i'm not gonna um work on the podcast anymore i'm not working there anymore and he's like all right uh do you need a job 
And I was <laughs> like, yeah. And he goes, all right, I'll, f- I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll get you a job. And that was just like rocket fuel. Yeah. And it was just like Bob's blessing. He goes, you're really talented. You'll be fine. It was just like rocket fuel. But I had this idea in the last two weeks about starting a collective, like a community radio station. And I also volunteered a lot of art collectives in Madison, like curating art galleries and and stuff. And um, so I just had this idea of just, you know, doing it, everybody pitching in and doing it. Duncan hooked me up with his amazing webmaster, Steve who's been doing it for five years, who I've never met in person. He's oh, like really? the most professional webmaster. He's just, he, we, we joke around that he's like an AI or something. Yeah. I've Do never, you know what he looks like? Cause nope. I don't think his social media has his face. No idea what he looks like. Oh, that's pretty Don't awesome. know what his voice sounds like. We've been working together for five years, complete professional, turns stuff around immediately. Does a lot of the cover art and artwork just like, you know, so. Yeah. And, he helped, uh, help me get everything set up for Obsessed yeah. Beyond Feral and was super yeah. awesome. And yeah. He's the, he's legit. I, I didn't know I, he was a faceless mystery. That's yeah, pretty awesome. I think he's an AI. <laughs> um, and so I opened up this composition notebook and I just started writing down what it would be and sh- people I could reach out to and everybody said yes. And it was going to be it was a radical split where the emphasis was going to be on the artist and the idea is like they get 80% of everything donations amazon money ad sales whatever and then feral would take 20% and the idea is that we'd have a many shows kicking back 20% right um and i really believe in the do- donation model at the time which ultimately failed which isn't does not it's not um consistent enough yeah and so I had no money, and but during that time, I'd been working on this album with Howard Kramer, We uh, uh, Have a Summer, and uh, he became a quick friend of mine, and we'd been working on this thing for like six months. And uh, we made this album, and then we released it, and he made enough money from it where he was just like, here, I'll pay your rent. It made enough money. You just you just keep this. You did so much work on it. So it was the first time I paid my rent with something creative. Oh wow! Really? You know that yeah. I had done completely independently. That was just your your baby. Yeah. Yeah. Working for somebody else. And uh, I, I said I would keep it short, but I've actually never <laughs> never told the story with this much detail. <laughs> I really haven't. Um, and so then you know, in from the seventeenth to May. 12th when we launched we created a website five new podcasts it was little esther brody stevens uh sean conroy's the flabbergast conversations with matt dwyer and uh please be my girlfriend with dave harris and roman presnell just people that i'd met that i pitched yeah some of them during sean conroy i walked up to at a bar and i was like let's do it it was like a sketch sound design type thing and um, I think they they thought that I was just like gonna go back home or something. Nobody right. saw this coming, and I didn't originally like do it as like a fuck you to them. Right. Although, you know, I just wanted to keep doing it because I loved it so much, and I was just like, I'll do this. I'll get a job. I was like applying at like Trader Joe's and all this stuff. In the meantime, I was like a college grad, and I remember during that time having no money, having a stack of applications, <laughs> writing my name on one, and I was like, I'm never. I'm never going to do a job interview again. Fuck this. And yeah. I haven't. I just was like, I don't want to, I'm not going to do this. Right, I would yeah. rather die out here and be broke, um, <laughs> which was a huge gamble. And then sort of the beginning of May, scared shitless, came up with a bunch of horrible names for the thing. Do you remember any of the shitty One, names? My folder to this day that I keep everything in is called Podlantis. It was going to be like <laughs> nautic- nautical theme. And then, well, that makes kind of sense. It's like amniotic. It's like it's in the womb to listen to a good podcast. You feel yeah. relaxed. And the original uh, feral site is very 
I wanted like an Art Deco Nine Inch Nails. It was very goth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then um, I had paid my rent, but I'm not paying any other bills. My phone's going to get shut off. I was just scared. Yeah. Terrified. And I was asked a bunch of artists to do cover art for me, friends of mine that I had met. I was sitting at La Poubelle in the Franklin Village, which is where I live. I started a feral in my apartment that I randomly got across from UCB Theater next to the Scientology Center <laughs> um, on t- Tamarind. Uh, and we're just recording people out of my tiny little apartment. And I was just at La Poubelle, and someone approached me. And they were like, oh, I think my artists were doing stuff for you. I work at Puny, which is a company that does animation. Like okay. Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah. All this, uh, all this other stuff. Um Shaddy Potowski. And uh, they were like, you can use our space. I'll buy your equipment. You just do audio for us. What Basically, what we want is to meet comedians to make our stuff funny. We Our stuff, like, we write it on our own. We we want to make our stuff funnier. You introduce us to comics. You can use our space, and I'll pay you. So they invited you to basically set Farrell up there for its, like, physical base? Three blocks away in Franklin Village. Bought me my equipment. Gave me a room. They had a studio, but it was, like, kind of like it was a residential place because the artist would stay there. Yeah. Paid me a salary, and at this time, Duncan was like, you're going to need a car. Gave me his car for free. Natasha Leggero paid for it to get fixed up. So in a week, or in a couple, a short time period, I had a studio of my own, a car, uh, this fucking podcast collective thing, (laughs) and uh, I got a a girlfriend at the time. It was all happened really fast. Yeah. And then I worked there for about six months, and then during that time, I worked with Aaron McGaffey, who's like my favorite show at UCB, This Feels Terrible, which is this vulnerable relationship show, and then she was dating Dan Harmon and was like, Dan is a live show, Uh, so I met with him and Jeff Davis and they didn't know how to do it as a podcast so I was like here's how you do it and then we were doing Harmontown separately from Farrell and then about six months later he asked me to go on tour with him we shot this documentary that's on Netflix called Harmontown yeah it's great and for a month I just got picked up and New City every night and met all these podcast fans and people who had just known me from who charted in Harmontown and, and Howard Kramer's thing and just met all these people and it was just floored it was the happiest month of my life and then came back and Puny's basically like, look, we paid you for six months to do this. You just left for a month. You know, we can't. <laughs> um, plus, we haven't met anybody. Uh, so I've, they weren't I, getting what they thought they were going to get no, out of it? I've systematically let people down. Like, people think, you know, I did this on my own. A lot of people have, you know, done a lot for me. So Dan came in, Starburn Studios. This room was completely empty. It was completely empty. Didn't even have drywall. It's metal. And he came down. He goes, I want to build a studio and I want to build it big enough to do podcasting in to get a table in. And this is the biggest VO booth in in LA. Wow. And it's specifically designed to do podcasts in. And so he's like, just come in. You get to use it. Everybody's like, who the fuck is this kid? (laughs) And then immediately, one day I woke up and Bob Odenkirk called me and he was just like, I want to do this audiobook. It's me and David. We wrote two Mr. Show scripts uh, and that never got made. I want to do like a radio play. It's called Hollywood Said No. So I, I, about a month here, I brought Odenkirk and David and all the Mr. Shows, like their first reunion. It's kind of where the Bob and David stuff out in that Happened room in right this room? There. Yeah, they were talking. They kind of created it. It was Bob was doing the fifth season of Breaking Bad. David had gone to Arrested Development. It was just a weird point in time. Yeah. So all these people are like, who the fuck? Just <laughs> got really lucky. Eventually, just they gave me a job here to keep me going. Dan gave me salary out of his own pocket, and he was like, while this was being built, he goes, you can use my house in Los Feliz. Wow. So then he gave me a key to his house 
his uh his mansion in Los Feliz and uh just let me all the time just bring podcasters in and got me all my equipment and just really is he really is like he really believes in podcasting so for a while like carmen's house looked like it was maybe like a drug house for comedians yeah they were just going in and out doing podcasts yeah and at this at that time aaron mcgathy had moved in and so it was kind of just like a weird you know it was a weird scene i became like they became another parental figure of mine so Harmon just became this huge benefactor, just really gets podcasting. And the stuff he said, the day we got back from tour, he's like, I want to do the studio. I want to do video stuff. Just predicted, like, the next two or three years. Like, everything he's predicted has come true. And if it wasn't for, and we were doing Nerdist, if it wasn't for Dan coming on, I feel like the other networks would have came at me. Okay. Um, I really do. To just not knock it off, basically? To... Yeah, I think they, you know, I think because I ended up calling it Feral Audio because I couldn't come up with these names, and I was with Duncan at the Griffin, and I was like, Feral Audio because there was this Radiohead song called Feral, and I always thought the word was really beautiful. Yeah. He's like, I like it because we didn't have a name for it, and we had to get a domain because we were going to launch in a week, and so we... It's great. It sounds punk. It sounds like your aesthetic, like your personal aesthetic. Of... Yeah, I just feel it's like a very, very... I just like... A, it's a very beautiful word. I used to play Fallout, and there was these things called Feral Ghoul, and I always just liked the... just a beautiful word. And then someone pointed out six months later that it's almost a perfect anagram of Earwolf. <laughs> All the, and I was like, oh, fuck. So there was like this marriage, you know, and I, I just loved it. And I loved working at Earwolf and I loved all those artists to death. And it was the greatest experience of my life. And um, little did I know how hard running my own thing would be. And so we did it on a handshake deal, no contracts. Starburns Industries eventually hired me. And now I, I, I was... Uh, intern here and then the audio engineer and very recently they promoted me an associate producer and this place is just the greatest dream job in the world yeah handed me the keys to this gorgeous studio and i do audio for them and uh somehow it's our five or four year anniversary this year i accidentally got involved in podcasting like really early on because yeah you know chris hardwick came on duncan's show and was like What's a podcast? <laughs> so then Nerdist came up, and um, you know, like, like, yeah, that's gonna be like a scene in like a a movie about the history of like a, a crappy e television sort of made for TV movie history of podcasting. Like that <laughs> will was, be a scene. You know, it was really interesting. Like the podcast boom was happening, and I always knew. And I, I and I'm redundant. I took it off the website. I always say this. I'm like, this is the most punk rock thing that's happened in my lifetime. It's just completely underground and vulnerable and raw. Like we own everything. I just, I just became obsessed with it. And yeah. like to this day, I, I wake up. It's the first thing I do is open my laptop. It's the last thing I do before I go to bed. And, and now we have thirty odd shows, and um, it's a lot of work. It's been like eighty to like a hundred plus hours a week since I started. Uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Cool. So just love the medium and yeah. love all of these. They're every everybody involved. That, yeah, that's a it's an amazing story of ambition and luck, and also just uh, the bits and pieces of your origin, like the way they connect. It almost seems like a hearing you tell it. It's almost like a little bit of a. Uh, sometimes you see like an origin story for a character that you know well, and then it seems like. The bits were almost like too perfectly constructed, but like every little bit oh. of the story sort of adds up to coming here. And I mean, I life never feels on, like that as I, it's happening. I had met Dino to the, June seventeenth, two thousand nine. He Dino was Dan's mentor, Harmon's mentor. Yeah, and 
Harmon was, I was like, oh, I know Dino. And although Dino hadn't met me and seen me in two years, he vouched for me. And then the next time I met Dino was at the Good Luck Bar on June 17th. 2012 three years to the day and then there's been a couple of times he's been in here and he's just like can you believe yeah that so depending on what you believe in the ebb and flow of the universe there is like a lot of if I would have went that way if I would have went that way just kismet stuff but I'm yeah. also kind of a simpleton <laughs> I'm I have a, I'm an emotional thinker I have emotional dysregulation uh, mental illness, which I've been in therapy for two years, and I've graduated, and um, I'm just an emotional think. I just feel everything. I have zero logic. I just feel it feels right. Okay, if it feels because it's hard because it's like I can't have every show on my network. I've turned down friends of mine. Yeah, I've turned down shows that I knew would be huge, and I told them, and like I was like, yeah, I don't think you need a network, you know. And I was like, this is gonna be huge, but it just doesn't. It doesn't feel right. It's got a every show on Feral is married to a similar aesthetic that I, you know, I've always just loved art and I love, I can't draw for shit, but I love (laughs) consuming art and pictures and I love audio and I just love consuming things and putting things in places and people in places. And I, I was an idiot savant. I never left the fucking house when I was in Wisconsin. (laughs) I'd never been on a plane before. I didn't know. It worked out. It total idiot savant. Yeah. Not, not a smart person at all. So you you were talking about what what a podcast needs to be for you. What is the most important part of a podcast being good? Is it like honesty? Is it the rawness? Is it the laughs per minute? For you, what makes a good podcast? I can tell like when I meet a person who'd be good at podcasting. Like I saw Melissa Stevens, who is just the most raw podcaster, just pure vomitorium. No, and I <laughs> just liberated woman doesn't give a shit and. Uh, knew she would be great i don't it's just like i if i like the premise of the show because like a gimmick is good especially when there's so many things out there but what i like about them is that they're niche like i i like to think that we make boutique podcasts like i'm not trying to make stuff for the general population i just want to find all those obsessed fans that are out there that haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Um, whether that has a ceiling on it, whether that blows up and then adds people. Like, I just want to find all those people, and then I just want to help. Now, we have officially become partners with Starburns. They have, uh, we have, we have turned this into a profit share. We're actually a functioning business. Um, we're failing in the first three months, but that's obviously <laughs> no, that's uh, a normal. risk. Um, but we want to soon. We're going to have advertisement opportunities. We're going to ma- basically make anybody who's on our network at the bare minimum get a thousand dollars a month from us. You know, um, pay my own salary so Starburns doesn't have to. You know, give me any more money. Just pay off my debts and just yeah. help podcasters uh, own everything. Yeah, we we are we've been working with an entertainment lawyer doing these artist agreements, and because in order to like pay people we're gonna have to finally for the first time have things sign and like he was like this is alien like i don't understand this <laughs> and these guys starburn took me up with about a year ago sean kittleson and jason smith just like i've met a lot of these business guys that have promised me a lot of shit and kind of slowed me down and um these guys just came in they were podcast fans they have huge background in business and advertising and they're just cool as shit and they this is what you did right this is what you did wrong they came in and they took the website and the image and they're like and they just minimized it and then they're like let's just focus on each show and let's work on internal 
uh, let's blow these shows up and like cross promote and just like cool. wave that flags. I'm so proud of the, and I'm so lucky. And yeah, so everybody I think in Feral is like, it comes with this like spirit where it's like there's a couple of kind of shows in my opinion. There's just the raw vomitorium like Harmontown, Vom in the Web. We yeah. should have a podcast. There's sort of like gimmick gimmicky or like well uh coordinated shows like obsessed and, and doughboys which are very like f- with the exception of me rambling right now uh <laughs> you know structured and and follow like beats but no matter what it does it all comes back to no matter what the gimmick no matter what it is it's i think compelling interesting people having an interesting raw conversation with zero filter cool and i think that however you package it I just, I don't know what it is. It's just a feeling. And um, I've tried with a bunch of people doing shows and it just didn't, you know, like had the stand-up mentality and they just didn't, you know, understand like the, you know, it's a, it's just like a mentality. Yeah. And a lot of that is just the ability to fucking talk into a microphone for an hour. <laughs> like I have no interest in having my own. I've, I've guessed it. I've done Duncan Trussell's podcast and a few now. So I'm like, I'm okay with guesting. Like, yeah. I'm, able to do it now. I was going to ask you about that. If somebody forced you to do a podcast, like if this business deal wasn't going to go through unless Dustin had a podcast himself, what would you do if you just like absolutely had to? For the first time, I have an idea and I think we're going to do it. I think awesome. every, uh, It's just a thing that lives on Feral Audio, which is me talking to each podcast about how we started, what the show is. And it's just us. So people are like, because they go there and they're like, what the fuck is this? This is like, you know, there's just in each episode for each show. So they okay. have a cap. So it'd be me talking to Chelsea or Todd Barry and be like, how do we meet? What is the show? Whatever. Just letting them make fun of me. Talk about all the shit I've done wrong. Uh, and just like, so it's like a little podcast sampler. Okay. It's a little thing. So that's actually going to happen, <laughs> which I guess I'm hosting, but I feel like I'm, I'm... I'm I'm presenting it. Okay. So when I emailed you to do this, you had mentioned that you're also obsessed with Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. If Billy Corgan was going to have a podcast, what do you think? Would you want that on Feral? What do you think that would be like? Right before I moved here, it was almost the perfect... I told this on Jonah Radio. It's also a long story. I met him, and he's a monster. (laughs) He really is the worst person in the world. I would never want to work with him. He is is, uh, not a human being anymore. I don't know if he ever was, but he makes the most incredible art in my entire life, and I will stand by that stuff for the rest of my life. It's really defined me and Smashing Pumpkins and Mr. Show are like the two things in my life that have been you know, informative. But Billy, I would, he for a while was doing this series of completely independent records um, and the idea was over the few years there would be 40 songs and he okay. did about eight and bailed on it. They were really good, though. So I would just have... That's a good model for podcasts, though. Plenty of people do eight and then bail, right? Yeah. And I've pitched this to musicians, and I think I really want to do it still. Just the idea of a band getting together in the studio and just hearing them just running the mics and just coming up with songs and playing little bits and pieces and just talking about it. I think that's, you know, for some reason, like, musicians haven't really embraced the podcasting thing. Yeah. Like, how cool would that be? I know it might take the mystery away, but some bands, like, it'd be such a great device and, and tool to, like, be with fans. Like, and these really do become, like, 
you know, over the years, Aaron and Dan met, are divorced now, dating other people. Other people have just gone through. It ends up being sort of this documentary of right. of of people's lives and um, this ongoing thing. Uh, so I think that would be really, really interesting. Whether he did it or anybody, I, anybody I was a fan of doing that, like I would die if Radiohead did that. Okay, so even knowing that Billy Corgan was a monster. I would still consume the shit out of that. I love it. I love every second of it. But you wouldn't produce it. I mean, I would. But he, you know, he's very eloquent. He's he's said a lot of things, and he's responsible with his image and stuff, just interpersonally. Whether whatever that's narcissistic personality disorder. He was just he just humbled the shit out of me. It's because it's person I put on a pedestal, and yeah. he was you know not what I thought he was, and uh, it was that was informative too. And so these people end up being like gurus in your life, and they end up shaping you even the people you date like your exes and whether they they end terribly or whatever they end up informing who you are and informing how you conduct yourself and all these people i've worked with bob and they're my real mentors have been duncan trussell and dino and dan Harmon and bob odenkirk and randomly the other day like or a couple of weeks ago i had run into Bob for the first time in a while and I had dinner with Duncan and Dan and Dino and it was just sort of like all my mentors coming together. It was just very surreal. I'm just yeah. very lucky to have these experiences and these people in my life. Um, I mean, it's, I'm just super lucky. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I love, I love the title Feral and I feel like your story is all about following your gut and, and that working out really well and just being sort of a raw and uncensored. If you could edit life the way you can, like, edit and shape a podcast, would you actually want to be able to do that? Oh, like, cut out all the bad shit? <laughs> or cut out whatever you want. Like, just that idea of... Now, I, I know that you are both a great editor, and you can shape a podcast if you want, or you can just let it be a three-hour, like you've said, like, vomit ramble fest, because that's raw and honest. And I'm just kind of curious how you apply those two different ends of the podcast spectrum to life. You're talking about metaphysically, like yeah. the actual reality of life. Yeah. I, at this point, like, especially the past two years with, you know, kind of being in a cloud. I always knew I was bipolar, but, um, and I had been untreated, but being in a cloud and like discovering in or my relationship that both of us had this thing called borderline personality disorder, which is an emotional dysregulation disorder. Interpersonal relationships are hard. I feel like I keep people at a distance and it's, you know, because of getting too close to people, like very, uh, it, basically it's when people have emotions that don't have it, there's like a ceiling. Like when you get mad or somebody who doesn't have it gets mad, like eventually it'll, it'll wear off or you're, you're like, like physically your brain will settle down. BPDs, like it could last for days. So I experience emotions were more severe than physical pain. Okay. And so the last two years, like, love of my life fell apart very dramatically terribly and I started this program and started this group therapy and like group therapy changed my life and in the past month after like even though it's like I love work I can when I it's it's when the door closes behind me that I really have a hard time okay and in the past month I have been happier than I've been in almost my entire adult life because I never stopped moving I got kicked out of the house. I started working these jobs. I started going to college. I moved here. I, I worked there. I, I never stopped moving. And I just turned 31 the week I graduated this program. I don't think, like, not even in a cliche way, there's a couple of things that, yeah, it's like I would easily could have 
lived without, but it, it has informed me. Right. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't change a thing. No, <laughs> I think I just think that like those things don't haunt you. Yeah. I think they just shape you and in a and you're supposed to overcome them. So I would just let the fucking tape roll. <laughs> I wouldn't I would there's a couple of shows where we just do it. You know, we should have a podcast. I just met Courtney Peroso and Corey Podell, and they had no idea what it was, and I brought them here, and I shut the door. And uh, they had an idea, and I was like, I think you guys should just talk, and I just I forced them to do a podcast. <laughs> they sat in this room, and when you listen to the first episode, it's amazing because they're, like, figuring it out. And I really love those first episodes. There's a show right now called Hour of Goon with Jordy White, who's the bass player from Marilyn Manson, who has written some of my f- – some of my all-time favorite songs and it's like him and this other musician just figuring it out and uh fingers crossed that uh, jeff davis was just on there and they, maybe they're interested in joining <laughs> so it's like a hero <laughs> of mine you know it's just like it's surreal i would just let that fucking taper i love hearing people figure out what it is you know yeah well i think that would be a great name of a podcast for you let the tape roll <laughs> yeah let the tape roll even though there's Dustin no such Marshall. thing as tape anymore uh let the let the let, let the pro tools session ho- hopefully not crash nice i love podcasts if you were gonna have a podcast what would it be about well i love animals so probably about animals <laughs> what would the theme song of the podcast be Probably, you know, the cat commercials, like, meow, 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 meow. It's probably that. <laughs> well, probably sports. What kind of sports? Basketball, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what about you? If you had a podcast, what would it be about? It would be about, like, celebrity lifestyles, you know? Like, oh, yeah? Yeah. Would you interview celebrities? Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. I'll walk up to them with a camera and just interview them, you know? Like, <laughs> if you had a podcast, what would it be about? Cars. Oh, tell me more about that. I love them. Uh, I don't know, probably like surfing or something. How to find paradise in a big, busy city. What would episode one be? Just kind of like getting to know uh, yourself within your city that you live in. Try and tune in out all the noise. That's lesson one. I think it could turn into something that might help some people in this world. I think it could too. I think you should do it. Relationships. I love to see people in relationships. I'm a romantic. Uh, I love to give advice. I don't like to see people broken up over stupid shit. Are you giving yourself relationship advice? Uh, You know what? I'm going out with three girls right now. A lawyer, an engineer, and uh, a stripper. Do they know about each other? The lawyer knows about the engineer. The engineer doesn't know about nobody. The stripper... It was about, yeah, the tool. Yeah, my advice to me is like, uh, there is no advice. You're confessing a lot to me right now. I don't care. If you had a podcast, what would it be about? If I had a podcast, it wouldn't be cereal. Cereal is the worst thing that's ever happened. It's also already been made. Hi, dog. What's his name? Oh, hi, Bo. Bo. Hey, Bo. He's running away. Oh, he's coming back. You're intrigued. What you doing? Do you, do you have a podcast? I'll take that as a yes. Well, we're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. I ask these of all my guests. There are no right or wrong answers. I just like getting a little comparison across all the podcasts about how into things people are. Yeah. Do you think about making podcasts every day? Yeah, nonstop. Yeah. I have ideas 
all the time. We started a zine. I constantly have ideas. You like, started a zine? We did. It was called No Information. It was a digital zine. Um, we had three. It was the idea of a stream of consciousness writing where I just get people I like to just write. And my friend Julia Hegland from Madison is the greatest illustrator I've ever seen. She would just free consciousness. It was like a stream of consciousness zine. And uh, I really want to bring it back. I really liked it. Um, it's probably the thing I'm most proud of, of like curating. I think we might bring it back. Cool. The uh, company that did it went under. I swear to God, all day, every day. And it always, when I go to parties, it, you know, I was just at my friend's wedding. It was two, uh, two podcasters uh, got married. Uh, and it was just like all I talk about. And I know it's annoying, but it's really like all I, it's all I really talk about. Are you thinking or talking about like the big picture idea of like, oh, what if this person had a podcast? What would that be like? Are you thinking about the nitty gritty of like, oh, man, I can really fix that spike in this audio by doing this Pro Tools thing? I think it's really big picture stuff. Um, the editing stuff, like each each thing is its own thing. It's like its own song. It requires different things. It requires different edits. It requires different fixes, needs. You know, everything is its own thing. And so I treat everything like I just, I don't cut any corners. Okay. I stole a bunch of mastering software years ago <laughs> and I still run this broken computer the bottom if it if it if a fucking breaks I have to actually buy the programs. <laughs> They're like two thousand uh, dollar uh mastering programs. Um and so, so like I don't cut corners. I'm I run everything through the same stuff. I just want a uniform sound. Like audio quality is really important yeah. to me. Um if something sounds bad I just pull my hair out and and, and apologize. But I just think of stuff we can do and we started this video service for Harmontown and I want to like, how do we do that completely independently with no third party? And we did, and, and we want to apply that to other stuff. We really, my dream is right now I've always, my, you know, I really wanted to do a stand up special with all the standups of feral audio. And we did one. Yeah. It's sort of buried on the site. We want to figure out how to better package it, but we did it and we shot it. You know, luckily people did it for free and I paid them later for very cheaply and, I really want to make a sketch show. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I came on to, got involved with Feral right after you did that. So, yeah. yeah. I would really love you to do another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've always wanted to do, there's just a, I'm, I've, I'm 31 and I have lived like almost all of my dreams. Right now, I just would like to figure out how to make Feral last, how to, because the one thing I failed at was making people money. And I also, you know, Starburns is helping me out getting help, but you know, I am, I am, I am a control freak. So I like being involved in everything, but I'm like spread thin. I feel like people, people feel like I'm too busy or don't have the time. And that's not true. I just, I just go, go, go. And I get burnt out sometimes. And I, and I try to, it's spinning plates. And sometimes I have to wake up every day. I'm like, who am I going to let down? And it sucks. It doesn't feel good. (laughs) Um, I want to start a theater where, it's a podcast theater and it's a black box theater where we do shows and our video stuff is set up and yeah. we're booking shows during the week and it's $10 at the door. We split that or we split that with the artists, yeah. pay them, they get paid. And then we set, they, we do these digital shows where they can set the price. Um, so anybody in the world can pay a dollar or they can get a membership, or pay $5 or you know, and then so not only are you doing a show, it is like anybody can watch it, and you're you're and we take a little cut for the server costs, which we're figuring yeah. out the bandwidth is ridiculously expensive, um, 
and there's just sort of like the dream. I just want to make something that serves artists. That's the mo- it, it, a lot of this is based off Touch and Go Records out of Chicago, which was the first place to do a 50-50 split. And so Feral Audio doesn't extract money yeah. from people. They don't work for us. What we are is a service. We give podcasters opportunities. Um, and I just want to figure out how to make something that goes until after I die because that's the <laughs> thing if I died or Steve died right now this whole fucking operation yeah. would stop and that's like a serious conversation we've had and we need to figure out you know I need to I need to find like minded I need to find somebody I would just like to make something because you know bef- in five or ten years maybe less podcasting is going to be super lame <laughs> it's going to be so ho- it already is like you go to the iTunes thing and like a lot of the uh uh, cover art kind of looks like uh, uh, flyers at a comedy club or something. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be snotty about it. I just want to make sure, sh- I just want to, ke- this is, the reason we should do this is like, because, you know, Earwolf sold to a major corporation for over $100 million and Nerdist sold to Legendary years ago. And that's certainly one way to do it. They've always been transparent about, well, not transparent about how they conduct themselves. But that they want to make money. They're yeah. businesses and they want to be They're businesses. Big. And to my own detriment, I just feel that this is a radical art form. This is something that if fucking totalitarian Trump fascist <laughs> thing take over and we're state-run fucking media, which we already are, this is stuff that we can pirate out. This is a cool thing is, like, start a local podcast like Chicago. It's like, think about Chicago audiences. There's just this medium is just the tip of the iceberg of how we are going to distribute media um, independently, and I think we need as we need to preserve that so so much, and it's yeah. so important. And in and just why sell out for that money when long term we could make that money on our own and own everything. So we're really thinking about the long term, and it's been a slow haul, slower than I hoped it would be. Um, I just want everybody at Feral to be patient because it's about to get so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that's just, I just think we got we to gotta preserve it. And well, it's you... going to be lame soon. <laughs> it's going to be, even punk music's lame. It's yeah. Like fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I shit. think you you take the uh, the reward, the award the uh, for, I asked one question about how obsessed you are in, in do you think about it every day? And then you told me a shit ton of stuff that you think about every day. Yeah. Which is all really <laughs> awesome, big picture stuff. Um, but if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to keep asking how obsessed are you questions. That's why you're a good host. <laughs> Would you start a conversation with a random stranger about podcasts? Yeah, I do all the time. Do you, re- do you really just approach people? Like, you, you just don't seem to have any fear of just talking to people. No. I guess most people approach me and know who I am. And I, I just, uh, I'm actually a pretty reserved person. Um but yeah, no, I will. I would gladly, yeah, yeah. I, I've walked up to people and like, yeah, I have. <laughs> I will. You have and you will. Next question. Excellent. <laughs> would you get a tattoo based on a podcast? I have. When I was growing up, like everybody and their mom had tattoos, and I feel like I have none. Um, and I really appreciate beautiful ones. I love, you know, goth suicide girls. I'm quietly goth. Uh, I love <laughs> sleeve tattoos and body tattoos, and I think um, they're really beautiful. Um, but I also think that if I had gauged ears and I had neck tattoos, I never would have gotten as far as I have. Because they're was... pretty good for tattered clothes in an alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is like a 
There is a thing where in the middle of a podcast before everybody was like, how old are you? So I'm 31 <laughs> and I'm very boyish and the boyish do not age well. Uh, I have a few years left. Um, but I look and people thought I was way younger. They're like, who the fuck is this 19 year old kid? <laughs> and I, I guess that was to my, it, it was a little that I know. Like people were like, thought that was a plus, but so you wouldn't you feel like it would uh, tarnish your the way people perceive you to have a, po- a tattoo about a podcast or you just will, it's a line in the sand you've drawn for yourself? I, I think like, now that I'm 31 and established and I literally I work for a lot of people and I have a lot of debts, but I'm at a point where I have to kiss zero asses. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be really funny to get covered in tattoos right now. <laughs> I think about it. But I guess, yeah, I guess I'd have to get the Feral logo, which would be lame. Uh, but that would be, I no, I'm not against it. Yeah. I, I don't want people's faces or names on there because, you know, I right. know I know Ween, the band Ween, people, somebody was showing them a Ween, a Ween tattoo once or they told me and they're like, what if we suck? <laughs> like, what if we start <laughs> sucking? Um but yeah, I guess I'd have to get the feral logo at some point. Yeah, you'd have to organize your body. So like maybe the back could be t- uh, like podcasts that maybe are going to not last so that you can have them sort of like these are tired. <laughs> Run over. <laughs> I No, I, I should just start getting covered in tattoos. Uh, my next question is, would you read or write slash fiction about podcast hosts hooking up? Hooking up? Well, you know... So many do in real life, <laughs> yeah, and have had under since feral. I've had babies and get married. Yeah, uh, fan fiction. No, I think it'd be a little creepy. I, I, I don't. You know, I think half of half of the podcasters at feral are women, and m- most of my friends are women, and that's been a problem for people I've dated. But like, I'm not. I don't. I like to talk to people. I'm not trying to fuck everybody when I, when I talk to them. So yeah, I it's a fair answer, but not uh, not what I was going for. Uh, no, I mean, talk I about wasn't trying to imply that fiction. You're talking yeah. about you're talking about uh, you're talking about what do they call it with uh, Scully or, or what the fuck? Did yeah, they call it's it? uh, it's slash fiction where it, it started with uh, with Kirk and Spock way back in the day. In, yeah, in like Star Trek zines and whatnot. Uh, no, I mean, I, I went, that's all, I, uh, that's the first place I went. <laughs> everybody fucking. Maybe I would. Yeah. That's where my brain went. Excellent. Uh, would you break up with someone, speaking of relationships, who just didn't get podcasts? Like, like I'm fine with podcasts, but I, I don't get the big deal. I'd rather watch TV. I actually really like dating people who have no idea what I do. <laughs> like because mysteries? There's a lot of people who have approached me and I've been single for about eight months and I got, somebody told me to go on OkCupid and I went on uh, OkCupid and I had a really tongue in cheek fucking bio, but I said, I make podcasts, sorry. (laughs) And I saw those girls, like tattoos, cute, you know, just my type. Yeah. I have a very specific brunette. Uh, so you like you're attracted to women with tattoos? Yeah. Okay. You don't you don't have to, but I am. Okay. But yeah, I I have a type. It's like brunette, pale girls. They all every girlfriend I've ever dated randomly likes Portishead and is anemic. Um, so I have a type. <laughs> but the first thing she said to me was like, "Tell me about your podcast." And then um, we hit it off. I got her numbers. Like flirting really good. I went and I met with her. Talked about it some more. And then we went on a second date, and I was really into her. Yeah. I was like, 
I kissed her a couple of times and I was like, Hey, this works. And then the la- and then as soon as the date was over, she pitched me a podcast and I was like, Oh no, <laughs> that's what this was. Was it a good idea or could you no. not even hear it? She was, she, the first day I was like, you have a lot of Instagram followers. Like, are you famous for something? And she's like, no. And we the night she's like, all right, I'm a Vine celebrity. <laughs> like so really? ashamed. Yeah. So she pitched, she wanted to fucking, which is, it never translates. Like YouTube yeah. stars and Vine stars really don't translate to podcasting. It's kind of phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I kind of like the girls I'm dating to not really know what I do because uh, there's a lot of girls who approach me that, you know, just want to, I, I, I work with somebody they like and I really like when they have no idea who the, what the fuck I do. Right. And then they learn eventually if you're actually dating, yeah. Them, right? Yeah. But they can hang out, and they're not going to be like loud. They're not going to like lose their shit and be nerdy. Yeah. So those are really like. So yeah. when the Vine Star pitched you a podcast, did you listen, or did you just like get up and leave and walk into the ocean? Just you're done. I tuned out. I it, I was just like, <laughs> you like just turned up some Smashing Pumpkins in your mind. I literally told her I was like, I'm not going to put you on my network. If that's what you're wondering. <laughs> told her straight up. Um, but I was like, I'll I'll tell you what to do. But I really wasn't listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's my last how obsessed are you question, and this is the one I ask everybody lately. If you couldn't make a podcast without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch, would you still make podcasts? Uh, before it could even air. Yeah. Like, is part of the, the whole process of putting out a podcast, it's a punch in the crotch. I'll do, I'll do anything. <laughs> I'm like fucking, you can, you can kick me in the teeth. I'll do anything for this. As far as punching somebody else in the crotch, I don't think I would subject anybody to that. Yeah. I would be like, this is not worth it. Go on with your life. Podcasting is not worth it. But I'll, you can, I'll, Yeah. You can cut my arm off. <laughs> well, I need that to edit. But. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, so let's keep it to a punch, a punch in the crotch. Punch me, light. In the, punch me in the dick. A light, light little dick punch. Go for is it. A small price to pay for all the greatness of feral audio. I've been asking people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What what noise would you make to sum up your obsession? Um, probably that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's hard. It's very stressful. I'm not. I'm a very centered person, but when I'm working, a lot of shit goes wrong. A lot of neighbors have heard me, especially today. But my intern, you song last summer. First, he would jump when I'd be like, "Fuck, <laughs> motherfucker!" But uh, he got really used to it by the end of it. So it'd probably just be yelling obscenities. But it's like a deep, hard, just like a fuck. It's a long ass, <laughs> a long ass fuck. That is your, yeah. that's your noise. Nice. Uh, I've also been rating people's obsessions, so I'm going to give you a seven out of seven Podlantas. Oh, I think you, you are. You're super. It, this is like if it, it feels like accidentally everything in your life, sort of accidentally, partially on purpose, has led to this. It's totally what you're about, right? There's nothing else you'd rather be doing. No, I than can't. Making podcasts. I would. Yeah, and I. That's the reason I haven't stopped, and I've hit so many rock bottoms where I was like I literally can't go on it's all I think about it is a pure it's just you know there's a thing I think you know in, in Hindu culture they call it dharma yeah which is it's just what you do it's some ants get food some ants are queens it's like programmed it's like you, at some point you're a writer and you didn't decide to be a writer you just write and yeah. I think this is for whatever reason 
I was into audio. I was a comedy fan. And it was just like, it came together. And this is just like, depending on what you believe in, just the robotic insectoid purpose <laughs> of what I do. And then whatever my personality is, uh, is the is the cracked, scratched lens of what it goes through. And I, I think Feral Audio, I'm really proud of it because if you're also a comedy network, and Nerdist is sort of like a nerd culture, I don't, we never really had a, uh, a thing for yeah. it. But Brody Stevens once called us emo comedy, <laughs> you know? And we've done yeah. a lot of stuff like, you know, we had, you know, Duncan Trussell interviewed his mom on her deathbed. And very recently, Courtney Peroso came about, came out about her rape. Um, and uh, I just feel like people, I, you know, I, even being open about my mental illness, I think people approach me. So I think just being transparent and honest and it just, I think it helps people. And I think podcasting really, just from what people tell me, because this, t- this is super self-serving. Yeah. Like I'm not as selfless. Like I love it. I love it's. I need to laugh all day, every day. Uh, I, I do this because it's for me. I need to be in a room with all of my heroes or I will <laughs> explode. It's super self-serving. Awesome. I, uh, I just, it's just what I do. Awesome. I, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to ask you the final questions. They don't have to any, do anything with your obsession, but they can if you want. If someone made a statue of you, what would your pose be? I think just in a chair, hunched over, really bad <laughs> posture, just like hunchback, super skinny, but with uh, with a growing gut, just like a <laughs> goblin, <laughs> spine so, bones, a uh, hunched out. goblin yeah. in a in a public park. The yeah. statue of Dustin Marshall, awesome. If you could get a hug from any living person that you have not got a hug from, who would you want a hug from? Chelsea Peretti. She doesn't <laughs> hug. She won't hug me. She's one of my. She's one of my very good, uh, as she would call it, acquaintance. Um, she's been so supportive and, and kind and, and over the years. Here's and what like, I found on the web for what color acquaintance. <laughs> <laughs> Siri just fucking came Siri alive. Siri wants to be on the podcast. Skynet went live. I should do a whole uh, interview with Siri for the podcast. Chelsea, great. she would never, you know, I've <laughs> seen other people hug her goodbye and then I just stand there because I know. But is it a shtick with her, or is it? No, she like, doesn't. She doesn't hug. She's never okay. really been into hugging. She's talked about it, but um, like if someday. you approached her, like you have a you have a good relationship with her, so it's, yeah. it wouldn't be creepy if you just asked for a hug, right? Yeah, no, it would. It would okay. someday, though. Someday, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hug Chelsea Peretti. All right. Well, I think you might have just answered uh, my final question on the podcast, but the final question is: What is happiness? What is happiness? I think happiness, you know, I was looking at, because I've had a lot of time to, I literally, the therapy I went through, dialectical behavior therapy, is a college course. There's four sections. There's like mindfulness, emotion regulation, distress tolerance, and um, they have a breakdown of what every emotion is and what the physical symptoms are, other words for it. But when you look at the spectrum of human emotions I was looking at this diagram uh, of the core emotions fear, love, happiness, whatever and yeah. then they have a little branch out of all the words that describe them um, the slot for happy or joy is like 20% of the pie and you are biologically allotted a such, you know scraps of joy yeah. and so I think, you know, in the Buddhist sense the four noble truths of Buddhism are number one is like life is suffering. 
I think number two is to de- wanting and desiring is causing your suffering. Three is like, you know, whatever I'm butchering it, but it's basically walking the path towards letting go. And in the past four weeks, I didn't, I don't know. I'm just proud of what I've done. I'm tired of telling my story when I tell my story. Aside from this, I'll tell it all the time. <laughs> aside from, you know, the things that have happened to me, I tell it like a mythology. I'm just ready to write a new one. I think just happiness is something you have to work for and you have to put in the work and it's not, you're not entitled to happiness and you won't be. It's letting go and it's just observing and letting this experience happen to you. Being uh, tolerant that you are both a good and bad and two truths can exist at the same time. And it's happiness is worth breaking yourself over. And I think it's a community and all these people in your life, if you don't give them a chance to let them lift you up, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. And I think I'm happiest when I'm with people that I care about. And I like... I like waking up and being like, who can I serve today? I like serving people. Right. And I like, I just, I'm my happiest when I'm working and I'm, um, so I just think it's letting go and, and just like letting the experience happen to you. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, this was great, man. Uh, uh, yeah, no. And I'm, I love your podcast and, um, I, uh, I loved your writing on Urbaniac and then I didn't even know you had obsessed and I, and I, and I sort of discovered it stalking you <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, this is great. Such a great premise. And it's just, you're so good at conducting it. And these questions are always, always great. Um, you have such, uh, incredible people from so many walks of life on, and I, I'm just a fan and I, I'm very lucky you're a part of our Well, network. thank you. I'm honored to be a part of Feral. Thank you. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. We'll crucify the insincere tonight, the indescribable moments of your life. The impossible is possible tonight. Believe in me as I believe in you. Tonight. 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 Tonight.